the AWS for Software Companies podcast, Episode 6, Leading and Innovating Through Major Disruptions with Jonathan Baruch of Local Measure. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the AWS for Software Companies podcast, where we speak to software leaders around the world about their journeys to the cloud, overcoming obstacles, and the role that Amazon Web Services play in their success. Today, our topic is leading and innovating through major disruptions, featuring a conversation with Jonathan Baruch, CEO of Local Measure, a company that was put on the brink with the business challenges posed by COVID and innovated their way to even greater success. Today, Kyle Redding of AWS talks to Jonathan about that journey of navigating through a major business disruption. Well, welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for coming in today. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem at all. Let's um, let's dive into Local Measure. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do, how you started, where all, you got to. All the to. small questions. Yep, let's got start it. there. Uh, well, I'm Jonathan Baruch. I'm the CEO of Local Measure. We are a global business built on AWS, obviously, but based in Surrey Hills, Australia. And I've got folks in North America, in EMEA, in South Africa, in Singapore, and in Australia. We are a customer experience business. So Local Measure, our flagship product is Engage, and we actually sell that on AWS Marketplace. Uh, and it's a customer service, single pane of glass uh, for contact centers. But we weren't always in the contact center industry, which I suspect we're going to get to today. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that. How long have you guys been going as a business? Before we get into the contact center pivot, let's say, how long have you guys been going from, from the beginning? Look, the company's about 10 years old. And I sort of talk pre-COVID, post-COVID, sort of pre-Jesus, post-Jesus. <laughs> so pre-COVID, um, we focused exclusively on hospitality and tourism. So always customer service, always digital messaging uh, and helping customers better connect with their customers at scale. Uh, Post-COVID, which we'll get into, we've really doubled down on contact center on, on a segment called CCAS, Cloud Contact Center as a Service. And what's kind of interesting there is the majority of the world's contact centers run on on-premise technology. So when you're calling your bank or your airline or your insurer, it routes typically to a BPO, which is a big business process outsourcer that has thousands of agents, often in India or South America or Manila, mm-hmm. um, and they're using servers in their basement. So it's kind of, it's it's wild that it's a very old school industry kind of ripe for disruption. And, and that's sort of where we found ourselves. Yeah. Okay. And so that was the pre-COVID existence. And, you know, what happened during COVID to, to the business and what did you guys have to do? What did you do? I've got a bit of PTSD, even as you said that, a kind of a shiver <laughs> went up my spine. Uh, look, local measure, as I said, always focus on hospitality, right? We had some of the world's biggest hotel chains, uh, airlines, we had theme parks, we had um, coffee shops. So if you were to like frame a world uh, where you could have all of the customers that would be the most disrupted by an event like COVID, we had those customers. Mm-hmm. So we spent six, seven years growing our revenue base, high single digit uh, millions in recurring revenue, and then overnight the world stopped. And I remember what was interesting is we saw in January of 2020 in the data from our software, because we had users around the world, we started seeing traffic falling in China across hotels. Wow. And then we started seeing it across Southeast Asia. And, and even at that point, we were like, maybe this is just kind of a pandemic, like the bird flu, and it would mm-hmm. stay there. 
then we saw drops in volume across Australia and New Zealand. And we were like, wow, okay, this is going to be a bigger deal. And then the US and EMEA and, and kind of the rest is history. So what actually happened was I think within three or four months, 75% of that recurring revenue essentially disappeared. So as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. that's like worst case scenario. That's oh, kind of totally. game over. Yeah. Like you're running a business, you've got a team, they're enthusiastic, they're kind of driving to an outcome. And then suddenly all of the customers that you've, you've won successfully over five, six, seven years mm -hmm. essentially can't pay their bills because, I mean, who needs customer service technology when you've got no customers, right? Yeah. And, and so I imagine that had a big impact on your team that were servicing those customers. What were, what were they saying? What were they coming to you guys with wanting answers to? Look, it was, it was really surreal for the first few months. And, you know, I've got to do a shout out to my team. Many of the folks who helped us through that period are still with us today. And I think that speaks to kind of a strong culture within an organization because that period was really not fun. You had customers who were in a really difficult position and we were also in a really difficult position. And every day you're trying to find a mutually beneficial outcome, which ultimately is in many cases was us not getting paid and us having to be okay with that. Uh, just to retain the relationships with customers. So our frontline teams did like a remarkable job speaking to customers, kind of helping them through the period, listening to like some harrowing stories of where their own businesses had grown and there'd been multi-generation businesses that were having kind of financial difficulties for the first time in their history. Meanwhile, like you've got the pilot flying the plane, which is kind of trying to solve that mess. And in the background, as a kind of a software builder and as a CEO who's raised quite a lot of money from investors, I've got this incredible obligation to my investors and to my team to figure out how we get out of this mess, right? We'd been going for six or seven years to build really amazing intellectual property around digital messaging, you know, with Facebook and WhatsApp and Twitter and WeChat um, and, and digital communication so that brands could communicate at scale or automate communications at scale with their customers. And suddenly it was no longer relevant because we were selling it to hospitality. So it was this really weird kind of entrepreneurial situation where you're kind of trying to do business as usual, although it's not business as usual because mm -hmm. everything's on fire and you're trying to figure out how you reinvent yourself. So what did you guys do to come up with a new, basically a new business, right? From scratch. I mean, that's where AWS did help us, right? I mean, I think in the past, you would be trying to build these things that would take a lot of time. They'd be really expensive. You'd have to spin up services and have multi-year contracts. We tested and iterated and tried a whole bunch of things. It was like throwing spaghetti against a wall. And I mean, in retrospect, I could stand here and go, hey, I was a genius. Like I knew the strand of spaghetti that was going to land yeah. on the wall. We threw a whole bunch of stuff against the wall, made a huge mess, and a few strands stuck. And the strands that stuck were um, a partnership with Amazon Connect, which is AWS's cloud contact center solution. And essentially, they're a bunch of really flexible APIs that help developers like Local Measure build solutions. And our solution was an end contact center solution. So a full workspace, full agent productivity uh, applications. And we took all of the intellectual property we had built the software we'd built for the hospitality industry and we'd ported that over um, into Connect so it all ran natively. So the end outcome essentially was a contact center platform that was cloud-based. You could work from anywhere, you could scale up, you could scale down, that actually during COVID was in high demand, right? Because as retail stores closed, everything started to hit the contact center. And so we had this dual business. One was like protecting the core and business as usual. And the other was allowing enough innovation to blossom 
in a team that was like on fire to be able to come to an outcome, which is ultimately the product that we built for local measure. Yeah. What, what, what timing with Amazon connect and, you know, we, we, um, we haven't been working together, you and I for, for that long, but you know, what, being around AWS for a few years now, have heard local measure from the most random stakeholders inside the business across the entire world that you guys have found your way into and built relationships with and started working with a bunch of our customers selling Engage, right? It's pretty cool. We were, yeah, we were surprised actually how quickly Amazon Connect grew. I think um, your former CEO, Andy Jassy, said it's the fastest growing service in the history of AWS. Wow. Um, and watching kind of Adam Solipsky on stage last year at reInvent. And, and I mean, he spoke about Amazon Connect multiple times, which is really interesting because AWS has hundreds of services, right? So that one service yep. has captured the imagination of end customers, end brands, and kind of developers like Local Measure. Yeah, I think it, it also highlights the, the pain point for that many customers that we, we have out there. A lot of their industry has just stopped and... Their customers wanted to know what was going on. So where do they get routed? They get routed to the call centers. So they better beef up that solution. So great and timing. And what's kind of interesting is most organizations look at their call center as a cost, right? Mm. Um, but in fact, when the whole world is closed and it's the front door to your organization, it doesn't become a cost as much as you know the whole revenue center of the organization. You're speaking to customers, you're delivering sales, obviously you're protecting your kind of brand. And so what, I think what's really interesting about it as a service, I mean, obviously all of AWS's service is interesting, but it's a service that speaks to kind of line of business buyers, right? It's like a COO, it's a CEO, uh, it's a contact center leader. And so I think it's got real business relevance. And so what we do essentially is we give end brands kind of a buy not build solution for connect that they can buy on AWS marketplace. They can do a single click to deploy and essentially they can scale a business onto the cloud really quickly. I mean, we have just recently migrated the contact center of a major US airline um, onto the cloud, onto Amazon connect and local measure in about 30 days. We've moved a bank in Malaysia in nine days. Wow. So you think about that, right? Like moving to a contact center normally is like nine months, 12 months, 24 months. We are migrating every touch point that airline has with a customer within 30 days. Plus the, the mental change management that a lot of these companies would normally maybe struggle with or take a while to get buy-in, you know, COVID I imagine accelerated a lot of that, but with your solution being that, that buy option for them that they can roll out within less than two weeks. It gets probably, them there much faster. Yeah, and, and probably removes a lot of stress and pressure. Yeah, and, and what was cool for us was we had this existing IP and this existing software around messaging. We had this existing agent workspace. We took Amazon Connect components really to help us with routing and agent av availability. Um, we sprinkled in some AI and ML from, from AWS, things like Lex, things like Kendra, things like Poly. And then we built some of our own next best actioning. And I think what was cool was we didn't have to do it all ourselves, right? AWS had solved some problems. We'd solved some problems as a software um, business. We wrapped all of that together into like a prepackaged SaaS that we could then just go to market and kind of deploy it globally. So, I mean, if I'm being like super honest, like at the time, we had no idea if this was going to be successful. Like in retrospect, it's great. We've got customers all over the world. We were on yeah. main stage at reInvent, like amazing. But two years ago, if I was being really honest and you'd ask me like, is this actually going to get scale? 
I probably would have said, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think that's the conundrum for like a business executive, for kind of an entrepreneur. You, you think what you've built, you think your baby's beautiful, but mm -hmm. everyone thinks their baby's yeah, beautiful, course, right? right? And when you send it out into the wide world, you kind of get real feedback. Um, and I think the ultimate proof point is, is someone willing to pay? Yeah. And within, well, actually, even before we launched the product, we had some of the AWS sales team selling it, which was wild for us that yeah. we had started to sell it like days before it was even ready. Yeah. Um, which, which was a pretty humbling experience. That's amazing. I mean, good on you. That's, that's the biggest step, right? That's jumping off the cliff, you know, and why a lot of people don't dive into building that idea that they've probably thought about, you know, millions of times over. So good, good work to you guys. Definitely. Do you mind if we just poke under the hood a little bit and, and you'll be surprised what you find, but let's do it. <laughs> um, now I just wanted to, to get a better understanding and maybe for the listeners out there, help them understand in what way you're using some of AWS's AIML services like Lex or Poly, um, the ones you just mentioned, if you're using any SageMaker to power some of those next best actions. Um, tell us a little bit about that, what, to, to the extent that you can, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, obviously, it's a pretty hot topic at the moment. Our team are playing with a number of LLMs just to kind of really understand. Mm -hmm. I think because we are in the service industry and we're helping contact centers at scale, anything you can do to shave seconds off a specific contact or a call without impacting the customer experience is huge money. A customer of ours, actually, Vodafone, just spoke at the Sydney Summit um, recently, and they said on stage there was about $2 million of cost out for their business when they moved over to local measure and to Amazon Connect. So those kind of seconds added up across thousands of agents wow. is like real money mm -hmm. for an organization. So then back to your question about like AI, ML, and, and the why. I mean, we use things like uh, Lex for Q&A bots. We use things like Poly so to take text to voice. So if you think about like when you call into your bank and you press one for this and two for this and five for this and six for this and you go round and round and round and then you get hung up on and then you call back again yep. and you go round and round, like it's a pretty bad experience, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you can really um, easily now with off-the-shelf technology from AWS and from folks like Local Measure, create a really great personal human experience. So you're actually talking in natural language with an IVR and it's landing you then at the right spot. But oftentimes people are calling in asking the same thing. Hey, what's the interest rate on my checking account? Does that really need to go to a human? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if Polly can answer that with Lex and a Q&A bot, just answer it, right? So that, that's sort of one area. I think the other area that we're really interested in is like where can you turbocharge human agents? So not just where you can replace them because I, th I think that will come in some capacity. But our view is I don't think these large language models are kind of ready to re replace humans. But I think they are ready to turbocharge, make the humans super agents. And so we use services like Amazon Connect Wisdom, which essentially can index all of the company's knowledge articles and help service the right information at the right time to the right agent. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a specific use case. Uh, maybe I'm calling in about a mortgage. Um, you know, maybe uh, I've got an income and my partner is on maternity leave. You know, I've got two cars and I've got an existing kid and, and these are my circumstances and I'm inquiring about this specific product. We can throw up to the agent maybe the policies around 
single family house uh, income households and how the bank treats it. Mm-hmm. And we can throw up all the product information about that mortgage. So rather than the kind of human agent having to think through the multiple issues, go and search multiple databases, kind of find the knowledge article and read it. Yep. We can throw it up and synthesize it to kind of give the agent the answer. Yep, that makes sense. So it's kind of, it's really game changing. And I think you're going to see it massively disrupting the contact sending industry before other sort of parts and other verticals of, you know, your day-to-day life. So good segue on, on the vertical component. So I've heard you talk about banks, obviously yep. hospitality. Yep. What other, what other industries are you guys seeing real success and movement with? And, and within those industries, who are the, who are the people coming to you guys saying, Hey, we've got this problem. We need your help. Or coming to Amazon saying, Hey, we've got this problem. We need your help. Is it CEOs? Is it customer success stakeholders? Who who are you guys talking to in, in, in each of those industries? So you're going to laugh. You would think that by now it would have been so burnt out by hospitality. We would just never touch hospitality. <laughs> and the example I gave you was an airline. Um, we're an AWS travel and hospitality competency partner, uh, also a retail partner and a digital customer experience competency partner as well. Um, the nice thing about what we built, and, and again, going back to like the entrepreneur and the software builder, we built a solution that was agnostic for industry, but could be customized and tailored to that industry. Yep. And what I mean by that is like the shell of the SaaS can suit anyone and can suit all base use cases, but we can customize the last, say, 10% to make it like hyper, hyper um, focused on that specific vertical. So we're seeing success in public sector. We have a number of governments around the world, um, okay. state and federal using our solution. We have banks, insurers. So, I mean, all different FSI type organizations, retail, hospitality. We have software and kind of startups and okay. other ISVs using us, yeah. which is kind of cool because it's a software startup yeah. selling to another software startup. They're some of our favorite customers because they just get it. They already have their data inside AWS. Um, you know, for us, we can light up the solution really, really quickly. And some of those organizations actually get sort of magnitudes of value over traditional organizations because you can digitize now everything in the contact center. I mean, obviously every message coming in on WhatsApp or email can be stored in the client's environment. Every single call can be transcribed. So that transcription can be stored. So suddenly like when you're doing data analytics, you know, why people are calling, what they think of your products, how you can improve. So typically like, those audio recordings have kind of never been turned into institutional knowledge for the organization. So businesses that can use that data, it's, it's super powerful. I think we're starting to see a lot more of our customers take a step in that direction and get a lot smarter with the data that they've got and maybe accumulated over years now that there are services out there from AWS and, you know, others, they can analyze they, all exactly. Of right. And put it to work, right. You don't need, um, PhDs and hundreds of, you know, something Kyle can decipher and make use of. What's interesting, and I'd be interested in your opinion, is like a lot of organizations say that and they say, hey, we've got so much data, but they really don't know where to start. I mean, I think with the difference with service and customer service data, it's really logical, right? You can see themes of why people are calling. Mm -hmm. You can see sentiment. You can see how long the calls are lasting. What are the preferred channels? If everyone's calling about this specific mortgage, hey, our product information is probably no good. We should stop them yep. calling. So it's like really actionable. And I think where we're, we're seeing, I mean, no one wakes up in the morning saying, hey, I want to call a contact center, right? You <laughs> do it because something's gone wrong. Where we're seeing the industry moving is like proactive and outbound communication. So when something goes wrong, letting the customer know 
before they kind of figure out and call in and are are unhappy. So that that we're spending a lot of time thinking about like outbound, thinking about predictive, thinking about using triggers like the ones you mentioned, like, hey, I see Carl's on a website looking at this bike. Actually, like maybe that's the reason that we should reach out to him rather than sending you 10 or 20 spam emails about things that you're not interested in. Yeah, totally agree. So if we think back, you know, to the time of the pivot, And the journey you've been on, you know, say in the last two and a half years, you know, there's probably a lot of companies out there that are going through maybe not that exact same scenario, but something similar where the economy is, you know, a bit iffy right now. People are losing their jobs, they're losing customers, the customers aren't renewing for the same amount or even at all uh, this year. Do you have any tips or thoughts or advice on to execs out there who may have might be going through something that you've experienced yourself? Yeah. Look, all I would say is have faith, right? Like believe in yourself. It's, it's, it's really hard to kind of do that when, when, the, when everything's going wrong and when the business is on fire. But I'd say kind of dust yourself, back off, dust yourself off and get back up on the horse. Um, we, we just put one step in front of the other and just kept on going and kind of motivated the team and just constantly kind of tried to figure out what was next. And, and I think that kind of continual determination to kind of get back on the horse and to kind of continue is, is kind of what got us there. We focused on where we sort of needed to be 12 months ahead of the current situation. Look, that's easy for me to say in front of a microphone now, but if someone's running out of funding, you might have a runway of three months, exactly six months. I get how difficult that is. And all I can say is I've been in that position and we've survived. Right. And if we can, anyone who's listening can survive. I think you have to be scrappy. Uh, You have to think about, you know, what existing technologies out there that can help you kind of transform your offering to get into new segments really quickly or open up new product lines or deliver the kind of short-term revenue you need to be able to get the win in a year's time. And, you know, I'm sure there was a bunch of things we did in the past which weren't exactly on mission, but we kind of did it to be able to live, live to fight another day to get to the next top, to sell yeah. the next product, to iterate, you know, over and over and again. Yeah. So, yeah, I I have huge empathy for anyone who's going through a similar situation, but absolutely there are stories of people who get through that. And I think what's interesting is when you do get through that, you're much stronger as an entrepreneur and as a business person. And I think it, you know, the resilience of your teams will surprise you. Mm -hmm. Like I was always thinking maybe I need to kind of wrap it in cotton wool, the messaging before I tell the team. And there was some point there during the kind of the darkest hours, I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast, but screw it. Um, we're going to be honest with everyone like and really transparent because everyone is adults and they all kind of need to know what the situation is and we're yeah. all going to figure out how to get out of this together. Yeah. And the really interesting thing happened was the kind of the more transparent we were with the team, the more they stood up and the more they stepped up and the harder yeah. they worked to get us out of the situation. Like we had people working weekends and nights and not that I ever want them to do that again, but I'm so humbled at like the hard work that our team put in to get us out of the position for us to have been, you know, the AWS software partner of the year last year, for us to be on main stage, you know, of reInvent, like all of that never would have happened if it wasn't for like those few months where everyone really worked very hard to transform the business. Yeah. And, you know, we all aim to hire smart people who we think can help the business and not just their, the capacity of their role, but you might find the next best idea comes from the least expected person on the team, right? That is uh, always happens. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny. I mean we do have a product team, and they're incredible product professionals. 
But we also find like everyone in the business has to kind of think like a product manager. Like if they're having a conversation with a customer, if they're in the finance team, it, it almost doesn't matter. We did a hackathon last week at our team offsite where we broke up our whole company into five teams from all disciplines. And some of the ideas that came out from non air quotes product managers were yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of left that really kind of pumped. So again, oh, advice for the people listening. I mean, if you're in a really bad place, I would say get two or three really smart people from your team. Or even if you don't have that in your team, friends, get a whiteboard and just kind of figure out what can you do and like what's possible. And lean on like folks like AWS and see like what's already being built. Like don't try and reinvent everything yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of incredible resources at, at AWS and, and we are here waiting for customers to ask for help. And, you know, we will proactively obviously go out and position ourselves to help them. But, you know, it, I agree with if, if, if customers knew to come more regularly to ask us for support, there are always resources available. Yeah. And look, it's probably remiss of me. I probably should have started to say that actually, like we did reach out to our account manager. We reached out to a number of people across AWS and they were all incredibly supportive yeah. uh, and they leaned into the relationship. And the more that we worked, the more that they put back into the relationship. And it really helped us. I mean, in large part, we're only still here because of that relationship and because of that support and because we listed on AWS Marketplace. Yeah. So Amazing. it's kind of, yeah, looking back uh, two and a half years, yeah, a huge thank you to those people who, who essentially saved us. And so with that talk of the hackathon and, and the future and, what, you know, what's, what's on the roadmap for local, what can you share with us is coming? What are your goals, aspirations for, you know, the rest of this year and, you know, maybe the next year? So I, I always honor, answer this like super honestly. And then I get a call from my product leader, Hannah. She's like, you're not meant to be saying that. A roadmap is like not for public consumption. So I'll be a little bit guarded. But I've already told you kind of one thing, like we're really thinking about um, proactive and kind of outbound and getting to, a, uh, getting to the customer to solve the problem before they even know they have a problem. So that's kind of one mega theme, I suppose. Obviously, clearly, as is everyone else in the industry, we're really thinking about AI and ML and large language models. And some of the things that we've been able to do just in the last two or three weeks weren't even possible two months ago. Yeah, wow. So we, we've always had some ideas of what we would like to do with AI and to automate. And we've tested a bunch of different AI services and none have been able to deliver some of the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And within the last few weeks, a few of them we're actually seeing working at scale, which is kind of mind boggling. That's amazing. So that's probably the second theme. And then the third theme is like we're really strong around digital messaging. WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Line. And we really see the future of customer service is asynchronous, is over those channels. It's convenient for customers. They don't have to wait in a long queue. It's better for businesses because it's cheaper to serve a customer over a digital channel than locking up an agent on voice. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to increase our lead around digital messaging. Um, it, it, even blurring that into commerce, right? Because more and more people are reaching out not only for customer service, but also to make kind of buying decisions or sales decisions. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see us kind of this year kind of move more and more into those three areas and those three trends. Um, but our, yeah, our roadmap is like super exciting. It's the thing that kind of gets me out of bed in the morning and, and seeing new tech come to life. I still kind of get a buzz when I see our software engineers like push something into production and then, you know, that code and that functionality lights up. There's something magical about it. That's amazing. Well, good on you, Jonathan. Thanks for coming in today and, and sharing all this with us. Um, we look forward to watching you guys continue to grow. Cool. And look, if you want to learn more, go to localmeasure.com and we are on the AWS Marketplace. So go to Marketplace and search Local Measure. Thanks for having me, Carl.
Thanks again for listening to the AWS for Software Companies podcast. Subscribe or follow this podcast in your podcast app to hear and learn from even more stories from the software executive community around the world. Thanks again.